This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Sandy and Sean, our second and final hour for this Tuesday afternoon in the Mile High City, 26th day of September, 2023. We open the show with the news that the Colorado Rockies still have not lost. As of this hour, 100 games in a single baseball season. In the first of a day-night doubleheader, they got past the Dodgers 4-1. So their record stands at 57 and 99. That's the good news. The bad news is they have to do it again tonight to avoid their 100th loss, a game that will start in roughly an hour and a half, the second of the day-night doubleheader, uh, part of uh, a makeup uh, that resulted from a rainout earlier this season. And uh, the Rockies, at least as far as the odds are concerned, are much less likely to win this game than they were Uh, the one earlier this afternoon. But uh, we've been talking for the most part about the Broncos and about the University of Colorado. I'm Sandy Clough. Dr. Rick Perea sitting in for Sean Rotar here on Mile High Sports, 98.1 FM, 107.5 HD3. Our caller text line is 303-831-1340. We'll get to a couple of your texts in just a second. We are streaming on milehighsports.com slash listen. If you choose to watch us, it's milehighsports.com slash watch. And, of course, we come across for free the Mile High Sports app. Our producer is the great Danny Bailey, and uh, you have a couple of texts that have uh, come in I over do. the last few minutes. I do. First one uh, from when you guys were talking about the Rockies early yes. in the show. It came in right as that segment was ending. Rockies have to get new eyes to manage this team, new coaches, make the ballplayers clean up like the Yankees, get some pride in them. Um, Back in the day, it wasn't all about psychology, and they still made it work. That's from Broncos 60. Well, I don't know that it uh, wasn't all about psychology or largely about psychology because, as we mentioned earlier, Dr. Rick Perea worked with the Rockies in 2016 Uh, in 2017 and 2018 with the same team they went to the playoffs yeah both times and actually won a wild card game in 2018 against the cubs after losing a playoff game for the national league west title to the dodgers out in los angeles in other words over 162 games they had the same record as the dodgers did in 2018 and, of course, in 2017, they were a wild-card team and lost to, I believe, Arizona yeah. in the wild-card game. I remember that because we watched it yeah. from Miami. Yeah. And uh, you and uh, uh, some members, uh, including Adam Gase of the uh, Miami Dolphins staff, invited me to spend a week uh, down in Miami uh, yeah. with you. And I remember during that week, we watched that Rockies playoff game. Yep. And you knew everybody because you had been around them the year before. Yeah, you know, one thing I'd like to respond to the texter is um, I just want you and and everyone listening and watching to consider this. Everything we do and say has psychology in it. Okay, and I'm going to repeat that. Everything we do and say has psychology in it. There's a basis of psychology. 
we're we're a top-down processing organi- organism. We have the brain, brainstem, spinal cord, central nervous system, autonomic nervous system. So every every decision we make, every behavior, every thought we think, every feeling we feel, every mood we're in is psychology. It's just that there's a lot of coaches that don't understand the role of psychology. What they think happens is when they get a player that's struggling, when they get a pitcher that can't locate a pitch, when they get a quarterback that can't locate his passes, then they think, oh, okay, I need a a psychologist. No, performance psychologists should be on every team proactively to help players and coaches and it, quite frankly, everyone in the building, including GMs and EVPs, executive vice presidents, how to shape their thoughts, because otherwise your thoughts will shape you. And so the, the texter, I would just say this. The average human being has 45,000 thoughts a day. Up to 75% of those thoughts are self-doubt or negative. So if you don't have a technique, a protocol, a prayer, a script, something then you're going to think a lot of self-doubt, negative thoughts every day. You do not want your athletes, Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, having these self-doubt thoughts, but that's what we see. So it is about psychology. I'll repeat one more time. Everything we say, communicate, and do, behavior, has psychology in it. Bud Black managed when Walt Weiss was let go. In 17 and 18, and the Rockies averaged almost 90 wins yeah. over those two seasons. Um, they've been averaging now, I would guess, this year, and I haven't looked up the exact figure, but I'm guessing with this season likely to result in more than 100 losses, that they've averaged over the last five years since going to the playoffs in 17 and 18 more than 90 losses a year. What does that say, if anything, about Bub Black's approach? It seemed to work for two years. Maybe the team wasn't as good after that in the ensuing five years, but Bud Black remains. The general manager who replaced Jeff Breidich, Bill Schmidt, remains. The Boston Red Sox just relieved their general manager of his duties he's had a winning record during his tenure as general manager of the boston red sox but it's boston not denver right and in boston a 76 and 80 record puts you in last place right in the american league east the rockies would not be in last place in the national league west if they at this point had only lost 80 games right San Diego would be. Yeah. So I I, I I, know you haven't been around it for the last five years, but it seems a rather steep decline yeah. from, from two years that offered so much promise. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of moving parts to winning and losing. It's not yeah. just talent. It's, it's scouting. It's acquiring talent. It's, the like we said, cohesion. Cohesion within a coaching staff. And so a hypothesis could be that the, the personnel, when Bud Black took over, the personnel was still pretty good. And, sure was. And, I mean, Cargo was there. Yeah. Arenado was there. Right. So, you know, you have Kyle that. Kyle Freeland. You have that momentum still going. 
and you have new energy, new new manager that carries over for yeah. a season, of perhaps two. But then, as personnel, you know, cargo retires and, yes. and oh, Arenado leaves. Yeah. The personnel started shifting. Then we find out really can this person manage a baseball team? Can they coach on field, making those you know decisions out there that are going to impact W's and losses? So there's a lot of variables that go into winning and losing other than just talent and coaching. So I think part of that is what is the reason why um, that there's been such a sharp decline. And the other reason I would say that people may not think about is, you know, when you start to think emotionally and psychologically, baseball is an incredibly mental game. <laughs> As you know, golf. So, so, golf Yogi Berra once said it's 90% <laughs> half metal. Yeah. And, you know, think about hitting. I, I get baseball players coming into my office. Right. And, the best hitters in the world fail fail seven out of ten times at the plate. And, and, and a great hitter fails two-thirds of the time. Right. And so my point is, what do you do with that failure? What do you do with it? Do you let it bleed into your next A-B, your at-bat, or do you clean it up? And that's the difference between major leaguers and non-major leaguers is they can clean up what happens. We have a rule called the 1090 rule. Life is 10% of what happens. 90% of how you react to it. So it's not that you go through something bad. Think about this, listeners and viewers. It's not that you go through a divorce. It's not that you lose your job. It's how do you respond to that? Because that's 90% of it. And it's the same thing in baseball. How are you going to respond to getting dinged for a home run? How are you going to respond to going 0 for 4 tonight? How are you going to respond to a, a five-game slide where you're losing games? It's not what happens. That's 10%. 90% is how we're going to react to it. And the people that can really embrace that in baseball, those are the people that succeed. Text number two, Danny, if you have it. Yes, this one uh, doesn't have a name attached to it, but if the texter would like to identify themselves, feel free to text back. Uh, Wyoming is the same coach told us they only recruit six foot four quarterbacks, not the best quarterbacks. I guess they would have passed on Joe Montana. Well, Wasn't that's, impressed that, with that's, that. I think he's confused about that because Josh said Mike Allen Deason at Air Force told what? me that. Well, that that but, was an idiotic statement from Bulls. Uh, but that it's not true. <laughs> it, they've. I did. I couldn't confirm it, so I figured I would pass well, it, it on did, to you that guys. You have to be six four to be a quarterback at Miami. How tall is Josh Allen? I'm not yes. sure off the top of my head. He's 6'3", six, six, I would think. He's 6'5". Six, 6'5". Six, He's 6'5". All right. Yeah. But they've had they've had quarterbacks there, pretty good quarterbacks who are not 6'4". No. They don't profile. No. Carl Durrell profiled at CU, <laughs> as, as you can attest to from Absolutely. personal experience. Absolutely. That, that Carl Durrell, more than any other coach I've ever heard, would explicitly reject recruits position by position who did not fit a particular yeah. profile that's yeah. that's just not true and whoever told you that is simply lying yeah you know quarterback position i mean a prototypical quarterback sure six four six five you'd want him to be that yeah. but no there's no there's you know the guy they have up there right now that's starting is probably in the neighborhood of six three six yeah. two and a half six three so you know this is not true it's not true people can play i mean you know six one six two six three again if you're going to design your quarterback Sure, let's have him six four, six five. But I'm, you know, Craig Bowl is a smart guy. He's not just a good coach. He's a smart guy, 
And if you got a and kid, they don't that can profile. Play, You've dealt no, with them. They don't no, profile position by position. Not. And CU with Durrell did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've heard Carl Durrell said we're not going to recruit a corner that's under six foot. Right. And and yeah, exactly. <laughs> even if he can play, coach, even nope. if he can play, no, <laughs> no, we're not doing it. We're so, not doing it. Yeah. And uh, particularly with Cherry Creek High School, there were a lot of guys who could play. Yeah. Really could play. Yeah. And Dave Logan, of course annually does the best coaching job i think in america among all high school coaches and even coaches in the collegiate ranks and professional ranks he's a terrific coach he doesn't profile no and he had a number of players who would have been more than happy kids students more than happy to go to cu and carl durrell said no that player doesn't fit my positional profile and they're out there starting in a power. And they're five starting in power five conferences yeah. for good teams. Yep. So, uh, sorry to go off on on you, sir. I know that's not your statement. You heard it from somebody else, and it's a lie. <laughs> it's a lie. And I know there's a rivalry there, and Wyoming hates Air Force, and Air Force hates Wyoming, and uh, I I can't imagine those two schools, at least the football programs. There's more hatred there than there is with CU CSU by far yeah and that's almost always been the case almost always been the case and that rivalry is a lot longer and more regular than the cu uh, csu rivalry so uh, keep that in mind as well as we continue we will hear from troy aikman of espn reacting on the pat mcafee show yesterday to the Broncos giving up 70 points and losing by 50 to the Dolphins on Sunday and the position that puts the Broncos in. And we'll also hear from Shannon Sharp, the Hall of Famer, who, as you can imagine, was uh, quite explicit in his reaction to what took place on Sunday afternoon in Miami Gardens. That's coming next. Right here on Mile High Sports with Sandy Clough and Dr. Rick Berea sitting in for Sean Rotar. Stay with us. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. We have uh, believed for quite some time that the Broncos' defense in recent years has not been nearly as good as some of the stats suggest. Well, uh, what was the old line from ball four? Tell my statistics to shut up. Uh, The Broncos wish they could do that with some of their defensive statistics. Rick Perea, they are last, as we continue with Sandy and Sean. I'm Sandy Clough. Dr. Rick Perea is sitting in for Sean Rotower here on Mile High Sports. The Broncos are last defensively in yards per play given up 7.2 yards per play against the Broncos so far this year. 
They are last in net yards given up per pass attempt. That's 8.7. That would be one of the all-time highs for any quarterback. (laughs) He'd be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, They are next to last in yards per rush. They've given up more than five and a half yards per rush so far this season through three games. They are the eighth most penalized defensive team and the third most penalized offensive team, by the way, in the NFL. They are last in percentage of drives leading to scores. Almost 60% of drives against the Broncos this year have resulted in an opposition touchdown or field goal. The Broncos are 30th in the percentage of drives leading to turnovers. They are actually 7th best on offense, but they're 30th on defense. Only 3% of opposing drives have resulted in a turnover forced by the Broncos. In expected points contributed by all defense, they are last in the NFL. And in points given up, they are last in the NFL, giving up over 40 points per game. Well, that's pretty disastrous, and it goes a long way toward explaining why the Broncos gave up 51 points on Christmas Day late last season to the Los Angeles Rams, who last year and so far this year, at least in two of their first three games, the Rams are not going anywhere and were not going anywhere last year, and they put 51 on the Broncos on Christmas Day at SoFi. This year, they had 70 put on them in Miami, a place where they've won exactly one football game. Historically, one game, one in Miami down through the years, and that game was a game they trailed 15 to nothing uh, until Tim Tebow started pulling rabbits out of his hat, several rabbits, uh, so to speak. Troy Aikman was asked on the Pat McAfee show yesterday on ESPN how he would diagnose the Bronco issues. You know, it's hard to imagine that that they're going to give up on on Russell Wilson uh, that quickly. But there's a lot of pressure on Russell, of course, and there's a lot of pressure on Sean Payton, and 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 they're embarrassed right now. So, I think when you have a game like they had yesterday, I I, I wouldn't take anything off the table, but. Uh, I would have to expect that there will be changes. I just can't imagine that it will be at the quarterback position. But, you know, AJ talks about confidence. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> 70. I, you know, AJ talked about confidence, and, and that's uh, it's hard to have confidence when you're not winning games. Um, and I thought last year watching Russell, he, he did not play, you know, with the same confidence that, that I had seen from him in Seattle, nor would you expect that. And – Right now, that entire football team, the, the organization, uh, I, I don't know how you go to a game like that and come out of it and not just question everything that's happening within the building. So oh. there's a lot of soul searching that will be taking place this week in Denver. There's no question. I thought his last point was his best point. There's no way you can come out of a game like that and question everything you're doing in the building, and that is right up your alley. Yeah, I mean, but it's here, here's the caveat, though. You don't you don't know if 
they don't know what they don't know, though. You know, and I, that's just the thing. I think the new ownership group um, may not learning. know what it doesn't know. I don't think they know what they don't know because I know, <laughs> I know there's some things here in Denver they could use and they're not using them. They're not utilizing them. They, they may think they're beating the bushes. They may think they're turning over rocks. They may think they're doing everything they can, but they're not. You know, DeMarcus Ware was in town the other day for his, he's, he's making a tour. He did it in Canton. He did it in Dallas. And now he's in Denver, but you know, I was able to, to talk to him when he was here and, he reiterated. I mean, you know, they just don't know what they don't know. So Troy Aikman's postulation that you can't imagine that they're not going to be questioning everything, but you can only question what you have knowledge of. And if you don't have knowledge of what aspects can help this team going forward, here's the questions I would ask, Sandy, and this is going to sound awfully biased, but here's what I would ask. What did you guys have in 2015? What did you do on offense? What did you do on defense? What kind of cohesion did you have in 2015 when you won the Super Bowl in February of 16? What was going on in that locker room? That's the, where I would start. Well, the, there's no one you can ask now that McManus is gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but They're all gone. But there's people like Ryan Harris that's still working in the media around the team. There's, there's you know – the kid, the guy from that's a director of player personnel and develop uh, development, um, is his name's this Ray um, Ray Jackson. Yeah, you know, there's people. He was there. He, he was, was there. there. Yeah. He was there. There's people around that still understand that. But to Troy's point, and I see this so much in the NFL, Major League Baseball, and the NBA, people don't know what they don't know, and so therefore, when you're going to question how somebody could put 70 on us, you better you better go way deeper than that because that's just the outcome. What's the symptom? What's the symptom that really influences that outcome? And if you don't get to the symptom, you're just putting a Band-Aid on everything. And that's really kind of what they've done over the last five, six years. If they've had a Band-Aid approach, they've got to go in and do surgery. They've got to go in and clean this up in a way that's doing it from the neck up and the neck down. And again, back to my point that I know I'm awfully biased in, there is psychology in everything you do in every NFL facility, whether it's coaching, players, front office. I mean, you know, the, the, the people who sell, um, you know, products at the stadium, there's psychology to that. So they're, they better understand the psychology of performance in an organization if they truly want to get back to the top. When Vic Fangio took over as Bronco coach, and I think this came from his introductory news conference. He came from Chicago. Yep. And the Bears had actually had a pretty good year the previous year. But he critiqued their organization. He said all they do is put band-aids on everything and i remember thinking at the time you'll soon find out if you don't know now talk about not knowing what you don't know you will soon find out that that's exactly what they do here put band-aids on everything everything's a quick fix solution and sean payton came in and i'm just judging by his statement regarding hackett 
and essentially has said, at least as I understand it, that whatever was done last year, in fact, everything that was done last year, we're going to do the opposite. That is not a sound psychological construct, is it? No. No. In fact, it's devoid of... It's devoid of any content. Of any competency and acumen in understanding. Well, we're going to do everything different. Well, first of all, you weren't here last year. Right. So you can't possibly know exactly what they did. Right. Day by day, week by week, month by month. You you can't know that. Right. So just saying we're going to do everything different... Listen, they're the most penalized team in the National Football League. Yeah. I don't know if at this point last year they were the most penalized team in the National Football League. And he talked about eliminating pre-snap penalties. They take pre-snap penalties all the time. Uh, He uh, talks about uh, getting the play calls in on time. That's not happening either. They're calling timeouts left and right when they can't get the play in. And a week ago, he blamed Wilson for that. But this past week, the same thing happened. And it sure didn't seem to be Russell Wilson's fault any more than it was nine days ago. Yeah. You know, one thing I want, again, the listeners and viewers to think about is, and I do a lot of work in organizational performance, the Googles, the Apples of the world, and and even some smaller corporations. And we, we do have systems we put in place so organizations can perform at peak levels. I mean, you know, football teams have everything in common with Google and Apple. They, they want to improve and they want to get better and they want to beat their competition. Pro sports is the only industry I've ever worked in. And I've worked in, I mean, my gosh, I can talk about, you know, so many different industries that I've worked in. But pro sports is the only industry, Sandy, where people get promoted who are not qualified to do work. I've seen it time and time and time again. I mean, in what other industry would you hire a CEO, you know, um, comparatively speaking, a head coach of a team? Right. And he fails miserably in two years. Two years. He was so bad that you have to get rid of him. And then you hire another one. And he's so bad, you have to get rid of him in three years. Right. And then you hire another one. Who's and, never been a head coach who, before. Who's never either. been a head coach. And, right. and he's flaming out he doesn't one even, year. He doesn't even make it through he one year. Where, what other industries yeah. Yeah. would that yeah. be tolerated? You know, and it's only in this industry where we see it. And the reason is because there's so much of that top-down process of that they don't know what they don't know. And, you know, Former players get promoted into a position that they're not prepared for and ready for. Coaches are promoted into positions that they're not prepared for. Here's an example. We see it all the time. A coordinator will get promoted to a head coach. Those are two completely j- different jobs. Right. And they have And you different- can be very good at one and very yes. poor in the other. Yes. And yeah. we we call them KSAs, knowledge, skills, and abilities. And if your KSAs match the coordinator position and you're great at it, that has very little correlation to you being a successful head coach. So, But they don't understand that because they don't understand organizational performance because they haven't been promoted in a typical hierarchy in an organization where you would be qualified to know that. Like I said, Sandy, you know I've gone to the combine year after year after year evaluating talent. And, you know, one thing that ESPN never shows is that 6 p.m. to 11 o'clock at night where we interview all the players. Right. 
which is the most important part of the combine. It's the most important and, part of the combine. For, for obvious reasons, they can't show it, but the point is, it is the most important, much more important than the stuff they do show. But here's what they could show, Sandy. They could show this rooms with nobody in there and say, here's where they come from 6 to 11 o'clock at night, and every team has 15 minutes, and then they shuffle into the next team, right. the next team, the next right. team. Right. I remember, I remember uh, uh, Watt, the kid in Pittsburgh, T.J. Watt. Uh, Watt came into our room when I was with the Dolphins. Yep. And, um, you know, it's me, it's the GM, it's the EVP, the head coach, and we're asking him questions. And we're asking him questions about his personal life. We're asking him questions about athleticism and, and his family. And that, that meeting was very illuminating in who the kid was. I knew right then, I didn't know where he was going in the draft. I didn't know what round he was going, but I knew right then that kid would be successful because he said some things in that interview that gave me the psychology of the way he thinks. So when when people think it's not about psychology, it's about talent, you're 100% wrong because everything starts in the brain. And, you know, I, I even say this, Sandy, you know, there's some players out there that will knock you on your butt, play in and play out. That doesn't start in the quads. It doesn't start in the, in the chest. It doesn't. It starts in the brain. There are people that will compete, 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 and never give up. That starts in the brain. And then there's people that will quit on you. There's people that will quit on you. That starts in the brain. So we better understand psychology in the next 10, 20 years in pro sports because if we don't, we're going to put a product out there that's too variable, it's not consistent, something like we've seen here in Denver over the last seven years. Speaking of what uh, rather knowledgeable people have seen here in Denver, Shannon Sharp was a part of three world championship teams, two here in Denver, 1997-1998 with the Denver Broncos, and in 2000 with the Baltimore Ravens, who along their way to a Super Bowl victory knocked off the Broncos in the playoffs that very same year. And, of course, Shannon Sharp is uh, – Apart from being a little bit bashful from time to time, uh, he, he's usually fairly straightforward in what he has to say. His reaction to the Broncos in general and to their performance on Sunday is coming next. Sandy Clough, Rick Perea sitting in for Sean Drotar on Mile High Sports, 98.1 FM, 107.5 HD3. We're streaming on milehighsports.com slash listen. And if you wish to watch, milehighsports.com slash watch on the free Mile High Sports app. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. An offense that uh, scores only one touchdown in a game cannot reasonably be described as having played well in that game. An offense that fails to gain 200 yards cannot be fairly described as an offense that had a good day. The offense of the Denver Broncos on Sunday 
failed to gain 200 yards, failed to score more than just the one touchdown. They turned the ball over three times, twice on fumbles, but in addition to the two Cortland Sutton fumbles that should have, frankly, gotten him benched, there was a pass in the end zone from Russell Wilson that Cortland Sutton dropped. Now, otherwise, Cortland Sutton had a decent statistical day, and for the season, he is 20th in the National Football League with 17 receptions after three games, 25th in yards with 189, but only 60th in yards per reception, 17th in touchdown passes caught with two, but at 8.2 yards per target, he ranks 48th. He fumbled twice. He dropped a touchdown pass from Wilson on Sunday, and yet he played virtually the entire game, 95% of the snaps on offense. Uh, the only five players who played on every offensive down were Bowles, Powers, Cushenberry, Miners, and Russell Wilson. McGlinchey got hurt, played 97% at right tackle of the snaps, and uh, Cam Fleming played 3% of the snaps at right tackle. Shannon Sharp probably will go down historically as one of the five greatest offensive players in Broncos history at any position on offense. He is a Hall of Famer. He is now a commentator for ESPN. And as a two-time former champion here in Denver, you can uh, only imagine the degree of passion behind the comments he made Monday, less than 24 hours after the game. 70 points with eight minutes to go? Now, hold on. Sean Payne came in here with his chest all out. That was the worst coaching exhibition I had ever seen. About Nathaniel Hackett last season. Yes. yes. And you just got 70 dropped on your dome. Mm -hmm. A 50-piece and 20 extra flats at no charge. A 70 spot. This is unacceptable. What is so embarrassing to me is that all the, 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 the hype that came around, all this money you make it. The, the Pinter Walton family has spent an enormous amount of money. It's not good enough. And stop telling me it's not Russell's fault. I'm not saying that it is Russell's fault. But Russell is allowed to score more than 20 points. Just because the other team scores 70, that doesn't mean that you can't. The Broncos right now. The talent is not good enough. The coaching is not good enough. The scouting department is not good enough. The only thing good enough is the owners because they've invested a ton of money to build this roster, to get the best coaches, and that yesterday was unacceptable. All right. There's a lot to unpack there. But as you've pointed out today, and you've worked for owners in the NFL, Full time. Yes, sir. You worked for one owner in particular in the NFL. And I think Shannon Sharp knows this. There's more to ownership than spending money. That's right. 100%. There's understanding. Or having a lot of money to spend. Yeah. Yeah. You know, owners need to understand organizational performance as well, as, as much as anybody. And the pieces, the people that put in there to make it, make it successful. And I've seen owners that don't know, you know, this this modem knows more about football than owners do, but they understand organizational performance and right. who to put in those positions as the EVP, the GM, 
um, director of scouting. You know, Shannon, he just covered everybody. He's a yeah. scouting. He 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 was he didn't just stop with coaching and players. Right. And you know, he's right to a degree, but you know, again, on ownership, they better know what they don't know, or they better find out what they don't know, and then also get people in place that can help them succeed because you know the the product on the field the players and the coaches that's just a spoke in the wheel that's not the wheel there's a whole there's, that's the public part that's, that's the right. part that there's the public there's sees. there's seven or eight more spokes in that wheel that need to be developed and accentuated but if you don't even understand that um then you know you're 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 going up a, a slippery slope because this ain't going to get any easier for the Broncos. You know, I'm telling you right now, let's let's hypothetically say they go, they play Chicago and they lose. Okay, psychologically in their brain, those neural pathways are created that we just lost to what's perceived to be one of the worst teams or the worst team, the in, worst the team in the league. Then, if the Broncos aren't the worst, the Bears are. Right, so now we have neural pathways that are communicating that. It's not going to get any easier this season. So they better figure it out as soon as possible. And it's way deeper than the players and the coaches. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. And you can make all the changes that the Broncos have made over the last seven, eight years organizationally. But it seems to me September 2017 and September 2023 aren't much different. No. No. All the faces have changed. Yeah. But the culture, the climate remains the same. Essentially remains the same. Certainly in 2019, they started 0-4. Yeah. And in the NFL, if you start 0-3, you make the playoffs over the last 21 years one time out of 99. Right. They started 0-4 in 19, 0-3 in 20. This is the third time in five years they've started 0-3. Right. Third time in five years. Very different organization from 2019 to 2023 on all levels. But the results aren't much different, and the climate doesn't seem to be any different. Garrett Bowles had never won in 2019, and he's still not won very much. But my question becomes, Sandy, does the present ownership know how important that climate and culture is to a winning organization? Well, witness the hiring of Sean Payton, who was, to my knowledge, not offered any other head coaching jobs except Correct. the one here in Denver. Yep. And you pay him almost $19 million per year, you throw money at it. And you hire a guy with a nice resume who doesn't have much experience, not that many coaches do, one, starting 0-3, and two, having a third game go 70-20 to 20 against him. I, I, speaking of not knowing what you don't know, He's never started a season getting outscored in his first three games by 53 points. Yeah. Never. Me, yeah. Let me give you two examples of how important climate and culture is from a player's standpoint. You know, Emmanuel Sanders retired uh, a year ago, and he was at my office doing some stuff. And, yeah. 
he was talking to one of my sons and and I, I know he was flattering me and I'm not bra bragging about me because I'll qualify and say, you know, am I the best researcher in the world? No. Am I the best, uh, you know, book publisher in the world? No. Yeah. Although I do have some books out there, but I am one of the best in the world at connecting with players. I know that. And I am one of the yeah. best in the world at connecting with coaches too. Emmanuel Sanders told my sons, your dad's the reason we won the Super Bowl in 2016. Well, now, I'm John gonna, Elway suggested that to you in real time yeah, back then. And I'm going to tell you something. I, I, that's that's a stretch. I, you can't say that causation. Of course not. But, of course but, not. No one person is solely responsible right, for it. But I think he had a point he was trying to make. Like, we had a culture. Yeah. When, when the Dolphins that came. That you were a big part of creating. Yes. When the Dolphins came down and played the Miami Dolphins, and just so, so people knew, I, I left in February. When the Broncos went down and played the Dolphins. Yeah. Right. I left in February 16 after we won the Super yeah. Bowl in Denver, and I went with Adam Gase down there. They came and played us in 17, I right. believe it was, That's in the right. fall. That's right. And, um, <laughs> and, and it's funny to me to this day because we beat them like 33 to 9. I mean, we put it on them. And Adam Gase <laughs> did an onside kick when the game was right. Right. far out of reach. But here's something that happened after the game. Von Miller came up to me, yep. and he said, Doc, we miss you. He didn't say we're missing the X's and O's. He didn't say we're missing uh, a pass rusher. He didn't say we're missing, you know, a, a better quarterback. He said, we really miss you. And, you know, he had changed phones by that time, so we exchanged phone numbers again. But though, that's, the, the players understand how important that locker room is yeah. and, and the culture it, of it. The example of Vaughn Miller is interesting because at the beginning – you weren't exactly his idea right. of a counselor who could help him. Right. Not it, exactly. It right. Took, it took Just the opposite. Yeah, it took DeMarcus Ware to yeah. get him in there. Yeah. And then once he got in there, he's like, man, why wasn't I here before? But after the game, he sought me out. I didn't seek him out. He came over to me and says, Doc, we really miss you. And, you know, that that's... And you had some interactions during the game with oh. players who obviously wished... You were still on yeah. the other side. Of the I had a blast with the players, <laughs> uh, just talking a little noise which, while the smack. Which made your general manager at the time a little upset. He, he, he called me into the principal's hey, office. Yeah, <laughs> well, why are you talking to the other players? Yeah. And you said, I'm not. They're talking to me. And, and the other thing I and said to him. We won the game by 24 points. I said, I know them. I know them. That's, That's why right. I'm talking to them. Because we know each other. So anyway, yeah. Well, it is uh, the world of fun and games, isn't it? But it it, it is. We uh, remind ourselves of this uh, virtually every day when we talk about sports. It's about people. It is. I mean, I like numbers as much as the next guy, but in the end, it's about people and how they interact. And whether they are aware or unaware of what they know and what they don't know. Yeah. It's a people business, and we better understand that here in Broncos country if they're going to get this straightened out. Speaking of people business, it's always nice to be with you because you're a great person, you're a great friend, and I had a blast. Uh, Thank the you. The pleasure is all mine, and we'll do it again. We had so much fun. We'll do it again, and we'll try to be uh, even better tomorrow. Danny Bailey, of course, is uh, the one who really stirs the drink. He is, to yeah. use the old Reggie Jackson phrase, the straw that stirs the drink. As our <laughs> producer our executive producer here at Mile High Sports, and we thank him for that. And we will see you tomorrow, Dr. Rick Perea and I.
We'll be back tomorrow at 4 and on Thursday at the same hour. We may or may not be talking about the Rockies' 100th loss, which uh, I think I'll uh, go down and watch just to see what it feels like. I don't think I'll have a lot of company, but I will be down there in the rock pile uh, uh, watching here in uh, just about an hour or so. We thank you, and we'll see you tomorrow right back here on Mile High Sports. Thank you.